My friends, I want to take a quick moment to give you a special invitation. If you enjoy the Live Inspired podcast, what would you say to joining me live once a month? And not just joining me, but hundreds of other like-minded Live Inspired community members. And what if you could do it from the comfort of your own home? My friends, Live Inspired in Studio with John O'Leary is exactly this, a gathering of our Live Inspired community members once a month for a live inspirational webcast. Let's do life together. Registration for in-studio only happens twice a year. And here's a secret, it's opening soon. Don't miss it. Sign up right now. Be one of the very first to know when Live Inspired in-studio registration opens. You can go right now, check it out. It's at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash studio. One more time, it's johnolearyinspires.com forward slash studio. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. This is John O'Leary. So happy to have you here joining us in the Live Inspired Movement. Listen to this one. One in four Americans describe themselves as, as having no one at home or at work that they can personally confide in. No one that they can share their heart and their secrets with. That's unbelievable. And that number has tripled in the last 30 years. Isolation, according to one Harvard study, has shown to be as detrimental to your health as being an alcoholic and twice as detrimental as obesity. During the most connected period in the history of the world, there is, without a doubt, an epidemic of loneliness. On this podcast, we'll be discussing that epidemic and part of the cure to it with community architect and serial social entrepreneur, Radha Agrawal, perhaps best known as the co-founder and CEO of Daybreaker. It's a morning dance movement and an immersive experience. You're going to hear all about it on this podcast. She's got a growing community of more than half a million individuals who wake up early to dance, to self-express, to connect, to live, to love. She released this past Tuesday, so we're lucky to have her today, her first book, Belong. Find your people, create community, and live a more connected life. Rada joins us today not just to discuss why belonging is important, but to share how to actually make friends and nurture lasting, meaningful communities in the real world. My friends, you are going to want to take some notes on this one. So I invite you right now to open up your journals, open up your hearts and your minds, get ready to hop out of your seat onto the dance floor as we bring forward our newest friend, Rada Agrawal. Rada, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Thank you, John. So great to be here. We are delighted to have a little bit of your time. I know you are busy with Launch Week. How's it going so far? It's been a wild week and really excited about all the movement that's happening within the space of community and belonging. And the book is is really um, it's really taking shape and, and the community is loving it. So yeah, the tour has been wonderful so far. Well, I'm now part of that community. I, uh, I have officially joined and I have read the book Belong. We'll talk about that as we move forward today. But let, let me start with this. Your father, I believe, was from India. Your mother from Japan. So of course, you were born in Canada. Is that correct? <laughs> That's just sure is correct. That's yep. part of your backstory. Why don't you talk about that for a moment? 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm part sushi, part curry, part Canadian bacon. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. sort of how I, what I like to Sounds say. Sounds delicious. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, my parents immigrated to Canada um, in the 1970s and fell in love and, and sort of against all odds. Um, had us and and I'm an, I'm an, also an identical twin, mm. so I have an identical twin sister. So I've I've been in community since I was in my mother's womb, you know. Yes. Uh, but gr- growing up, you know, they in an immigrant household, they had to actually create community for themselves. Like they didn't have their families. Families were thousands and thousands of miles away. So they really sort of showed my my sisters and I what community looks like, what sort of created community looks like when you, when it's not built in for you. Um, and I watch them courageously do that. And I, I owe them so much of, of my current journey of, of creating community um, right now. You know, I, I think we learn so much of what to do or maybe not what not to do from our parents, but it sounds like you had a, a really beautiful example of what to do and how to build community and live into this calling. What, what have you learned about community from your dad? Oh my gosh, my dad is the ultimate participator, and I and you know and, and for me in my book, sort of what I share is like the cornerstone of belonging is actually participation, and when you participate wholeheartedly in your community, you feel a sense of belonging that you can't feel when you're just taking or or being a bystander. So my dad was very much the type of person who you know if he saw a hole in the community, he would he wouldn't just complain about it, he would fill it. Mm. So you know for example, um, we didn't have a science camp in, in, in elementary school. And I went, you know, Indian parents want, and Asian parents want your kids to go to science camp, not sports camp. So my parents created the first science camp um, in, in our community, in the city. Um, you know, my parents also were my soccer coaches. My, my mom was my assistant soccer coach. My dad was my Hindi school teacher. My mother was my Japanese school's teacher. And they really modeled, they truly were the epitome of, of, of community builders. Um, our home was Grand Central Station all of our friends always gathered at our home um, to have Indian food and, and, you know, curry in a mostly, you know, Caucasian neighborhood. (laughs) So, so, you know, they were always super welcoming and very, you know, very, very um, accommodating to to all of our neighbors. And I, I watched them do that in in such a meaningful way. And um, and of course I lost my way along the, along the path. And that's in my book as well. I, I sort of share this, um, kind of this, I, I got lost in my twenties and then at 30, I, I realized the importance of, of belonging, you know, well, um, but yeah, my parents, yeah. I, I think it's a perfect, uh, way to pivot forward. Why don't we talk about that wake up moment in your life? Yeah. 30 years old or so, I think when it happens. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, in my twenties, uh, I moved to New York city. I was an investment banker on wall street actually. Um, and nine 11 happened and, you know, in those two years of the analyst training program and, and just going through the hamster wheel of, of being a New York city investment banker, I just forgot the importance of friendships and community. I prioritized work, you know, I canceled on friends all the time and I really turned into sort of the masculine version of myself, to be honest. And, um, and I, I just looked at myself in the mirror at 30 years old after going to sports bar in my twenties, sports bars in my twenties and, and hanging out with uninspiring people who got drunk every week, you know, and, and looked at myself in the mirror at 30 years old and realized I didn't recognize the person that I saw mm. that, that, you know, that my fire was dim, that, that my, that my eyes sort of had lost, lost, it's lost its luster, you know? And, and that was the moment I realized, wait, what is all of this for? Why are we here on this planet? What is it that makes 
you know, what is it makes us sort of want to live and, and thrive and survive? And it's actually belonging. It's actually making friends. And it's so simple. Actually, Harvard came out with a study that shares that the, sim- the key, the simple, the only single most important thing that one can do in their life is, is not to sort of achieve success, money, power, or fame, but it's to have long-lasting relationships. That's it. And it was an 80 year study that that where where that was the the outcome. It's it's meaningful relationships is the key to a happy, healthy life. Um, so so I didn't know that stat at the time, but uh, I knew that that sort of in my earlier years, that's what was made what made me happy was being amongst you know other community members who understood who I was. So that led me onto this really this really exciting journey of. And scary journey of yeah. self-exploration, you know, of, of who am I, what do I care about, not what the world cares about, not putting on the sort of um, veneer of professionalism and and ad- adult that we all do, right? Um, uh, to try to be taken seriously, to be to be seen as a professional, so we we lose our playfulness, we lose the light in our eyes in in that in that process. And I began to realize that I needed to find it again. Um, so that was the beginning of this journey of self exploration, where where I I did all these exercises for myself. Where, for example, I wrote down qualities I was looking for in a friend, which when do you ever do that, right? right? You do that for your profession. You do that for someone that you want to fall in love with, a romantic interest. But when do we ever write down a list of the qualities we're looking for in a friend? So I, it was a three-column list. Column one was all the qualities I was looking for in a friend. Column two was all the qualities I didn't want in a friend. Mm. And column three was all the qualities, perhaps the most important, I needed to embody in order to attract the friends that I wanted. So I needed to be less of a workaholic. I needed to be mm. sort of less judgmental. I needed to cancel on friends less and be less flaky. Um, I needed to be a better listener. You know, there's so many... Um, so many qualities I began to look, you know, realize that I, you know, I was, you know, lacking that made me attract the wrong kinds of friends, right? So it's a lot of um, of, of gentle self-awareness, which is chapter two in my book is, right. is, is gentle self-awareness. We have to be gently self-aware of how we're showing up and we often aren't, you know. Rada, was this a, uh, like an inflection point where you, you're looking in the mirror, you're almost 30, you realize your life is not exactly what you thought it might be when you were a kid and you just changed entirely or was it more of a gradual increase in awareness and longing for and the becoming who you felt you were intended to be? Absolutely. And yeah, it's never sort of like a low, I mean, I don't, I don't think these things are kind of low points. It's a realization and a gradual changing of, you know, I, I certainly took me three years to go from that space to a deep connectedness to what my own personal values were, what I was actually interested in, not what my parents wanted me of me or what the world or society or, or my boss or my you know, colleagues wanted of me. Um, it was what, what I valued, what I was interested in, what I was actually good at. And, and that kind of recognition um, took me a few years to explore. And, and one has to be very patient in this process. You can't just, you know, we live such an impatient world, right? The average attention span of a millennial is eight seconds or less. Um, and, and so, you know, we live in a time where we're not quite as patient and where it takes 80 hours to call someone a friend, mm. right? And, and we think that a like or a follow on social media is the equivalent, but, but it really takes time. You have to invest time in, in making a friend and 
to prioritize that is actually the most important thing we can do. Because if you look at all of our problems on this planet, gun violence, ISIS, terrorism, all the things, it ladders down to one single thing, and that's belonging or lack thereof. Mm. Right. So when we don't belong, we turn to all kinds of darkness. Um, and I really believe that if the child who 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 went and bought the gun actually felt a sense of belonging, they wouldn't be doing that in the first place. And so there's actually sort of societal reasons for why belonging is so critical, um, not to mention health reasons as well. Right. Another study came out that shares that you know having poor social connections is as harmful to your physical health as being an alcoholic and twice as harmful as obesity. So in fact, loneliness and isolation is very much a health hazard um, and it's becoming more and more apparent. Um, so. You write about you need to go in in order to go out. When you write that, what do you mean by that? Yep, so um, the, the key to creating community um, for yourself that's going to be a community that nurtures you starts with yourself. You can't, you know, so much of, of what um, people think about community building, they think it starts from the outside, right? Like, how do I find my people? How do I build this community? I get emails probably three, four times a week from, you know, just companies, humans, organizations asking me how we built our robust and growing community um, and lasting community too. And and I, I always say the first thing is you have to first go inside. You have to first go in to go out. So, you know, how do you radiate from within so that the community that you want to be attracted to you feels you, right? And that sounds kind of hokey and, mm-hmm. and sort of wishy-washy and gray area, but there's there's real science to that, right? When you go inside and you actually do an assessment of what your personal values are, what are you good at, what are you interested in, then you begin to ask yourself, am I the right person to be leading this community that is being asked of me to, or am I faking it, right? Or am I better suited to lead this kind of community because that's really more aligned with my values, interests, and abilities, right? So taking the time to go inside and assess your what I call your via chart, your mm-hmm. values, interests, and your abilities to take the time to to ask yourself, okay, what are the qualities that I'm actually sure? How am I actually showing up? Um, and 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 what are the types of people I'm attracting in my life? Will really begin to answer some of the questions as to a, you know, are you the right person to be leading the community? If if that's really what you want to be doing, or are you sort of have you t- taken the time to go inside to really be able to know what type of person will fill you up and give you that equal energy exchange, right? I think we hide behind labels when we don't feel equal energy exchange, when we feel depleted. So I have friends who actually, who are very extroverted, um, but then will call themselves introverted because it's some in some ways easier because it's it's ex- sometimes it's exhausting to hang out with people who don't get you. So you, it's just easier to be like, I'm introverted, so I don't really like going out. But really, it's you haven't taken the time to find community members who fill up your tank. So it just takes a deep sense of awareness and a real understanding of and an intention of what actually fills you up so that when you do go out, you're seeking those types of people and not just blanket statement, you know, sort of saying, oh, I'm I'm an, I, you know, I'm not filled up by this or I am filled up by this. It's it's our self labeling is also what's what's creating this isolation and loneliness, too. You know, Rada, why, why do you think it is that we are so timid or unwilling to go deep? Why, why don't we all know who we are? I mean, the most important person for us to figure out is ourselves, and very few of us spend a whole lot of time investing thought, prayer, reflection around discerning who we actually are and what matters to us. 
Right. Because there's so much fear and hurt there. Right. And we're, we live our lives masking sort of all of our, our hurt from our childhood, from, from how we were raised from, let's say how we were bullied or how we were left out. And we, we continue putting on these masks and masks of sort of look at me, I'm professional now. I've made money now. You know, the kid who was bullied in school, so many of them now are driving the convertibles and living in the McMansions, right? Because they believe that that's actually a way to say, look, I'm no longer the bullied kid. I've made it. But but they're masking one hurt with another sort of kind of, un, kind of unconscious um, uh, sort of I guess band-aid to what mm-hmm. really what really is the issue, which is Hey, love me. Look at me. Love me. You know, accept me. Want me. I, I. All I want is to belong, right? Even, even our, even, you know, it's it's so it's so wild that the celebrities who are taking their own lives. You know, they want to belong too more than anything. But in some ways, the 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 more successful you get, the more at arm's length you get with people around you. You know, there's if 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 there's if there's folks on this podcast who are founders and CEOs of their companies, like I am, it can be very lonely on top. You know, it's. Um, it's a very lonely experience to be leading sometimes or to be a celebrity or to be sort of in the public eye that it's harder and harder in some ways to connect with others. And so at least we say that to ourselves until we stop putting that barrier yeah. and begin to unpack all of our own insecurities, our own hurt, our own suffering. And then once we come to the point of, oh, right this is just me trying to mask all this stuff. All I really want to do is make friends and belong. And I've thought that success and a big house and a nice car was, was what got me there. But really what it is, is just five awesome friends, you know? Right. And, Mm. and so I think if we just reprioritize our efforts towards what I call an equal energy exchange and, and deep sense of belonging, right? Belonging is a feeling, whereas community is a container where you experience that feeling. I think we've also misused, we're, we're misusing the word community and, and it's becoming another buzzword for how many users you can get, right? So uh, you um, got to say that again for me one more time. Belonging is a? Belonging is a feeling, okay. right? That you experience a feeling of, oh, I'm home, oh, they get me here. Yeah. Wow. I had this exhale of this feels good, right? Belonging is a feeling, whereas community is a container in which you should be experiencing that mm-hmm. feeling, right? But so often you can be a, a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. You're part of the community who wears the jerseys, but you don't feel a sense of belonging, you know, or you can be part of the Christian church, you know, and you're, and you're going to church every Sunday, but maybe you don't feel a sense of belonging there either, right? So. Yes. So, so I think that we we're part of these communities because we're we're born into them. But it's really about cultivating that sense of belonging, that sense of energy, of that feeling, that exhale of "I'm home." Yes. That is when you feel the most happy. Well, you the know, cool that, thing is, one of the beautiful things about the work you do and what you write is that you are stoking this again. You're you're combining belonging with the container of community, and that's it. What one of the places where you do it is through Daybreak. I know you uh, are a serial entrepreneur. You've done some really, really, really cool things. I'll have you back for a second podcast. But in the meantime, <laughs> talk about Daybreak. Daybreaker, yeah. So Daybreaker is an early morning dance community, <laughs> and the whole idea was, you know, as a 34 year old single woman at the time, 
I'm now, you know, five months pregnant um, and, and with, with a man who I met on the dance floor actually at Daybreaker. But, um, but, but at the time I was 34 years and single. I was, you know, I had, I was, I was a founder CEO of a company um, and I'd be working hundred hour work weeks. And then on, on the weekends I'd want to go and let my hair down and I would just go to the nightclubs, you know, like to yes. go dancing and have some fun. But it was never an experience of, again, that exhale of, oh, finally oh, a place yes. I can let loose. You know, I want to go dancing. I want to go connect to myself, to my friends. But it was always sort of couched in a mean bouncer at the door looking up and down. Everybody drinking, spilt drinks all over you, drugs and alcohol running rampant, um, no connection. People, you know, when I was fully expressing myself on the dance floor, it was an invitation to some drunk person to come up and dance against me, you yes. know, and and it was just never a, a, a very safe or or inviting experience for, for me. Not to mention there's always just a DJ pushing buttons all night with no performative elements to it that made it interesting to, to be a part of that experience. So the idea was... Was what if we removed all of the darkness of nightlife, but then mm. kept all the positives? Like there's so much beauty in nightlife too. The the connection, the community, the dance, the music, all of that stuff, right? That goes along with with socialization. So the idea was, what if we did this in the morning mm -hmm. <laughs> when our when our energy was the most full, right? What if we replaced the mean bouncers with a hugging committee? Uh, what if we had it be an intergenerational experience where babies can come all the way to Jane Goodall has been a daybreaker. <laughs> <laughs> her and her friends That's showed up awesome. probably to research a new form of ape, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, one of the things I'm very proud of is that we have 50 year olds, 40 year olds, you know, 60 or 30 year olds, 20, all dancing together at 6 AM before going to work. So we have team bonding experiences, team builder, team building of, of just everybody from the team, from lowly interns, obviously, uh, coming to our parties and dancing their hearts out and going to work with it with glitter on their face and a giant smile right and you know doing it in the morning and, and so the whole the whole experience is a three-hour experience yes. the one-hour yoga experience into a two-hour full-on dance party where we serve green juice uh, coffee tea wonderful breakfast treats it's um it's a two-hour yeah dance party where there's all kinds of performative elements from a horn section to dueling sax players to fire spinners to break dancers and it's just this wonderful circus of fun uh, that you get to experience before going to work on a Wednesday morning, <laughs> you know? Well, and I want people to understand the, the scale of this. And I know you did, did not get into it and you're not doing this for the scale, but this is the reality of, of the work in front of you. This is not taking place in your basement, although that may have been where it began. <laughs> this is global and it's in more than a couple dozen cities and there's a huge demand in cities where it's not currently to start it. Absolutely. It's been actually a wild ride to experience. So honestly, I ended up um, I ended up sort of winding down one of my businesses um, and selling it, actually, um, and and just doing Daybreaker full time. It's become a global events and community uh, organization where we where we hold, you know, 24 events every month across the world in 24 different cities and four continents. We're launching Australia this fall. Um, we're all over the U.S., all over Europe. Uh, South America, just all over the world, and the, you know our events are anywhere from 300 to 1,000 people um, each event, and 
it's it we would do them on boats on yacht imagine mm-hmm. sailing around manhattan around the statue of liberty at 6 a.m on a triple decker yacht before going to work you know or imagine, imagine imagine going to the hayden planetarium um in or adler planetarium rather in uh, chicago um before going to work or or you know going to grace cathedral in san francisco uh we're about to do the museum of natural history as well in new york dancing by the dinosaurs <laughs> or early next early next year for their 150th anniversary party. Um, so, you know, we just did the Smithsonian as well um, in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and and so we're, we're always partnering with wonderful, unbelievable venues across the country, across the world. Because we're not non-alcoholic, we're also a safe, a safe bet for all of these partners who want to bring in a, a sort of a, a mixed uh, community of not just our elders, but younger millennials, everyone in between, young professionals coming to experience these often more traditional spaces. Yes. Um, so, so it's it's been a wild experience, and we're yeah, like I said, we're we're uh, coming to a city near you, and you can find us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're fine. You can find us on our on our website and sign up for our secret emails. Um, it's very much word of mouth. We spent zero dollars in marketing. It's all sort of friends sharing with friends. Hey, have you heard of this cool thing? So I'm giving you and your listeners a little inside scoop. If you sign up, um, daybreaker.com um, and, and put your email and pick your city, you'll start getting our secret email invitations for your city. Well, I'm getting uh, them. And I look forward to dancing under the Gateway Arch here in St. Louis, Missouri, my hometown. Oh my gosh, that's on our radar for sure. That's on our radar for sure. We got some pretty good dancers. I'm not one of them, but I'll be out there anyway. Uh, <laughs> just don't judge. Well, you know, one of the coolest things about this is actually that is some people are like, I'm not a dancer, I'm not a dancer. And if you're just walking about your life, you are a dancer. Every single person is a dancer. We we dance when we're two years old. It's just because we were ridiculed as we got older, because our friends made fun of because our, even our parents were like, you're so silly when you dance, we begin to get embarrassed. And mm. And so we actually create these limitations on ourselves when honestly the most free we feel are, are in two places on your bicycle, right? Because you feel like <laughs> a kid on a bicycle and on the dance floor when you're right. dancing. It just, it just people think they need to lubricate with alcohol and drugs to be able to let go. But if you actually learn how to do that on your own, I call that releasing your dose. It's in my book. I actually yes. um, I want to ask you about that. Turn. Yeah. And, you know, you can actually find your own own brain chemistry, uh, you know, and you can really activate and, and train your own brain, brain chemistry to release your your natural highs. So let, can, let me yeah. let me ask you about that. Three weeks ago, I was in central Missouri at 7.30 in the morning, had a three-hour drive to get there to speak to about 60 little kids who'd been burned at one point in their, in their past. And after I spoke, they invited me to lead their dance party. So, you know, no beer. It's 730 in the morning. There, there are cameras on me. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And here I am up there doing this mamba dance. I'd never done it before. And you got 60 campers. You got John O'Leary. And you got about 50 guides dancing. No judgment. No uh, exactly. no frowns. Nobody's sitting back. Everybody participating. And we are releasing dose. So for the audience who uh, have never been part of a, a dance party at 7.30 in the morning in Central Missouri <laughs> or at one of your events, tell us what dose means. Tell us what we actually get for free when we want to participate. Totally. Well, and by the way, you can get dose that you can dose for more than just um, just sort of a dance party. But but yeah, so essentially, you know, one of the things that most um, event planners or folks who think about designing or creating an event don't think about is is actually helping people release their dose. And so dose is my acronym, which is actually hilariously ironic. So when you think about dose, what do you think about medicine and drugs, yes. right? 
but in my in sort of in in my aha kind of eureka 2 a.m sort of um deep dives um i realized the word dose spells out the four happy brain chemicals that you release dopamine oxytocin serotonin and endorphins can you believe that it's awesome (laughs) so the fact that um that you know, medicine is in our own mind. It's in our own, it's in our own brain chemistry. We can release our natural dose if we just train our brains to do that. And every single event organizer out there listening, if you can create an event and design a human experience that can help people release their dose, whether it's an employee holiday party, whether it's a an event for your community, for your customers, whatever, instead of just throwing up a party that has your banner and logo on it, really think about how is it that you know, we can create an event and an experience that can help our community members, our employees release their dose. And that Daybreaker, with all of our partners that we do, you know, Nike and IBM and Samsung and Amazon, everyone that we work with, you know, we're always supporting them and thinking about how to help them mm-hmm. release their dose, right? So, so our events are, are very much, um, you know, sort of, you get the dopamine from the pleasure reward of waking up at 6 a.m., right? The dopamine rush is, is pleasure reward center. That's the hit of, of your brain saying, wow, good job, John. You woke up at 6 a.m. to go dancing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and you also get the dopamine rush from music, listening to music. Um, the oxytocin you get from hugging, from touching. You know, did you know that Americans are the most touch-starved society in the, in the world? So we touch it. I only know this from other. your book. I was shocked <laughs> to see that study. Yeah, we so Americans touch each other upwards of once per conversation, <laughs> whereas you know Puerto Ricans and Mexicans touch each other upwards of 130, <laughs> right. 140 times in a conversation, right? Like, yes. and yet, guess what the number one porn viewer in the world is? Yes. Pornography in the world that is Americans. So you know we are we are we 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 look for for physical touch in all the wrong places, instead of just hugging our friend or. Or, 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 you know, just brushing our friend's arm. There's so much sort of litigation around giving your employee a pat on the back that that we have that we've become terrified of of being friendly from a, in a physical way with one another. And yet, it is by it is what makes humans survive and thrive. We cannot survive as a species without touch. And yet, we don't have enough of an oxytocin release. Mm. So you get you get the oxytocin at Daybreaker because we have a hugging committee right when you walk in. John, I can't tell you, I've literally hugged probably 10,000 people. <laughs> I've hugged 10,000 people at Daybreaker. I'm usually the hugger now. Um, I've, I've made myself redundant in every other, <laughs> in every other area. But, that, um, yes. but I definitely, I'm always the one wanting to hug our community members at the door before an event happens. And the number of puzzled or or kind of like, sad or or sleepy or confused faces turned into smiles and thank yous and emails afterwards thanking me about how much that hug meant to them, how they're going through stuff, how they haven't been hugged in forever is honestly astonishing. Mm. And and so the hugging committee has been something that we've implemented across the world now. And it's been one of our most beloved, small, simple things that we've done for a committee that's been so game changing. Um, the oxytocin you also get from dancing, holding hands, being, you know, sort of in a room with 400 people, you're rubbing shoulders with people just by accident, you know, they actually call that a contact high at mm. concert, right? When you go to a concert or you go to a football game or whatever, you're just 
you're just around That's a awesome. lot of people. Yes. And that contact high makes you high. It's not the beer that you're drinking. It's actually, believe it or not, the oxytocin release, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, ser- the serotonin and the dose you get from feeling a sense of this is bigger than me, feeling a sense of worth. So all of our events have an MC. We have a full-on sort of staff that we train to really help people believe and really understand that this this event is bigger than just them. They're not just coming there for themselves, but they're coming there to actually support themselves and the other person who might have come for their first time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's very much a, hey, we're on this together. And that serotonin you get from from that feeling of really sort of, good vibes, you know, of mm-hmm. this is bigger than me. And then the endorphin release, the, the E in dose you get from, of course, what they call a runner's high. You get that from the endorphin rush of, of sweating and working out and burning calories. And you burn upwards of, you know, a thousand calories at, 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 uh, at Daybreaker. And I'll, I'll probably, I probably walk, I, I do, my average step count is 7,000 steps. Uh, exhausting and awesome. And I, I am assuming amazing. when you hug 10,000 people and when you have uh, allowed 500,000 plus to join you on the dance floor, you've heard some terrific, probably even transformative stories. So I'm curious, Rod, uh, do, do you have a favorite that you're like, oh gosh, John, this one time? Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I have so many of them, The one, but the one sure. that really comes to mind is you know, this one kid um, comes up to me, tears in his eyes, and he said, this is my seventh daybreaker. I've been watching this community accept me and love me for who I am. I come from a very conservative household, and I came out to my family this morning mm. because day- daybreaker gave me the courage to do that. And instead of, you know, my parents rejecting me, they actually accepted me, and they said, I love you no matter what. And it was this incredible conversation that we had I'd been afraid of for so long. And, um, I'm just so deeply grateful for this community for that. And of course our whole team sobbed listening to that. Um, and yeah, I just think that we give people permission to be fully self-expressed, fully seen in a world where we judge each other for every little thing. And, and we end up pigeonholing ourselves and labeling ourselves as different things. And, um, it's only to protect ourselves. Right. So, Rada, so. W- w- where do you find your people? I know you wrote about it, so why don't you talk about it here? Where, where, where do you find people that you can rub shoulders with and do life with and commune with? Absolutely. So, well, first step one is you go inside yourself. You ask yourself all the big questions. What do you value? What are you interested? What are you good at? You go through sort of several sort of steps and that line my book as well. And then once you're fully ready once you fully get to know who you are and spend some good quality time getting cozy with yourself, then to go out, it's really just about what I call the four stages of community, right? So stage one is on the kind of imagine a bullseye, the outer rung of the bullseye. The outer circle is what I call the exploratory stage, mm-hmm. right? Where once you get to know, ah, this is what I care about. Great. Now start exploring those communities. And these are light touch moments. You don't have to deep dive in. You can just go and be a be sort of a, an innocent bystander. So for me, that was going to entrepreneurship summits. You know, I was like, where are my people at? Where are the people who are coming up with big ideas? So I started going to young entrepreneurship summits. I also love music and festival culture. So I went to Burning Man and, and several other music festivals around the country. Um, and then I began to really kind of hone in on all these different communities that I thought might sort of align with my values, interests, and what I was good at. So that was my exploratory phase, right? I joined some soccer teams, Mm -hmm. you know, I played soccer. You know, so so once you explore and you really begin to sort of find the communities that really align with your via and on all the other sort of, um, 
qualities that you're looking for, then you can move into what I call the participatory rung. So one rung in of your of your four stages of community, you go from exploratory to participatory. So now you go from light touch to okay, let me like roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to, I'm going to give a talk at this conference. I'm going to invite five friends. I'm going to, you know, take the trash out. I'm going, I'm really going to get more deeply involved because truly you cannot belong if you only take, you you know, you really need to participate in order to experience sense of belonging. And because we live in a world now where everything is sort of all about being easy, you know, easy Mm -hmm. button for everything, right? What happens is we distance ourselves. So we're so far away from participating in in all these aspects of our lives. And and as as such, we're we're depressed and we're anxious and we're isolated and alone. So so my first thing that I always say with anybody who's like, gosh, I just, I'm alone. I'm lonely. I just say, roll your sleeves up and get involved. Stop whining about it. Get out there and find a community that you that aligns with your values and abilities, and then go and and get your hands dirty. Rada, when, when you're course, in, when you're in those communities, you know when you finally find that art group, that church group, that that leadership group, whatever it is that turns you on. How do you go from having the superficial conversations that everyone seems to yep. have everywhere to the depth? And the connectivity and, and and the ability to pivot that earlier statement we shared that what a quarter of us are, don't have real friends to saying no longer all of us should have Absolutely. real friends. Absolutely. So so you know let's stop asking questions like what do you do, right? I think that we're so quick to have transactional relationships in our lives. So what can this person do for me, or what can you do for that person that we forget sort of to ask the bigger life questions. So like in my book, I talk about here are five big questions that you can ask that go beyond what do you do and to get inside someone's backpack. Because you see, John, like it's one of the things that I've realized is that it's, we're very easy to judge. You know, it's very easy to judge mm-hmm. one another based on how we look or, or what we do for a living. But once you go one step in one level deeper into who they are, you begin to see just how how much more similar we all are. So I call that getting into your backpack, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's also that's So imagine I got into your backpack and I realized, okay, great. You know, here's you know here's a guy from St. Louis. He has a podcast. Whatever. You know, maybe he doesn't like dancing, but maybe he does. I get one layer in. I no, he that, dominates oh, he, the dance floor. He, he Let's just be clear on this. Dance. Right. He dominates. And then I'm like, okay, now we can align on this thing because he's just so warm hearted. He's hanging out with kids, my kind of guy. Right. So then all of a sudden I've, I've gone one layer deeper than podcast, you know, superstar. You know, right. And, and now I'm, now I'm like human, human guy. Who's someone that I want to get to know with, know and connect with in a more meaningful way. It's really about starting to ask questions that go beyond what do you do to questions like, what are you most excited about? Can you share with me a moment that you, where, where you were most afraid, mm-hmm. you know, can you share, right? Like, let's just like, you know, while you're bagging, while, while you're taking out the trash with somebody or volunteering your time, instead of making small talk, really going deep with somebody gets you to a place where like, oh, I never would have expected this person to be like that, but they are. But then all of a sudden, also when you start participating in, in communities and, and, and places that align with your values, you're going to find them more and more. You know, I used to have to silo all my relationships. Like these are my workout friends. These are mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. smart friends. These are my, you know, my my Pokemon or whatever. I'm making this up, but like, you know, friends. But but all of a sudden, when you find and you stumble upon, which every single human will stumble upon their community if they're intentional and looking for it, mm. they will find that community that are doing all the things that you're doing. And you're like, 
oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? Um, and and that happened to me. And and it wasn't all in one place. Like I met a few at Summit Series. I met a few at Burning Man. I met a, then I started figuring out and identified them faster and faster. So all of a sudden, identifying your people becomes much easier. And the more you radiate the version of yourself that is true and authentic, the it's unbelievable how right. how, how how much faster they they come to a, like a moth to a flame. And so now, you know, at 39, you know, seven, eight, 10 years into this, into this, this whole experience of intentional community building, I can, I, you know, every day I'm meeting someone who I'm just like, wow, you'd make an amazing friend because they were introduced to me by someone or I ran into them at, at some gathering that, that aligned with my values, interests, and abilities that I'm, that I went to. So it's, it becomes faster and faster and faster, mm. the more intentional you are. So, um, that's, yeah, it's, it's, um, but it starts with participating. It starts with going deeper than what do you do? It starts with, so then, so then the four, the, the third and fourth stages in your four stages of community. So it goes exploratory, participatory, and then outer core community, and then inner core community. So mm -hmm. outer core community is like the hundred or so folks, you know, Dunbar's number is about 120, a researcher, an anthropologist. So you can know 120 people um, at a time, recognize their faces and names, and then you can go really deep with, you know, 10 to 15 people. Mm -hmm. But again, these are all things that, that, um, that gets so much easier to navigate once you just begin this journey of, of self-exploration and discovering, wow, the importance of making friends. And, and my book, you know, what I, what, what I try to do is demystify the whole thing is, is giving you very simple tools, a very step-by-step -step guide for how the heck do I do this, this, you know, can uh, this often scary thing um, of making friends. And so, you know, every book I bought, uh, on community building belonging as I started my journey was very kind of sort of totally. boring to read and, and, and written, you know, not colorful. My, my book is fully illustrated. Every single page is illustrated. You know, it's got, it's an experience. You're participating in the story. There's 20 exercises in the book. So by the time you close the book, you really feel like you have a blueprint for your personal life and your professional community. Rada, where, where's uh, the book available? Uh, you can get it on Amazon anywhere. Actually, it's available everywhere. Um, and yeah, this is day two of my tour. So uh, come find me on the tour too. I'm doing a 30 city book tour across the nation. Um, I'll be stopping in all the major metros and I really hope to see you there. You can find my book, my my tour schedule at belongbook.com mm -hmm. and you can RSVP for, um, for a ticket, a free ticket. Then I, I hope to meet you. Um, out there. Right on page 22 and 23, there's a little diagram that says Rada's life timeline. It's an awesome drawing starting on the <laughs> right. You kind of work your way around the two pages and it describes where you've been. So I'm curious, as you look forward with your eyes shut and your heart open, what's coming next? Well, I am six months pregnant with my first child. And I got to tell you, John, the belonging, you know, I, I never really understood, I think, belonging until I, 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 this motherhood process began because, and that also gave me this aha moment. Like this, the first page in my book is an illustration that I make that says we are born in mm -hmm. community. You know, we are born in community, fully connected to another human. It's in our DNA to belong, right? But imagine this moment, John, you were in your mother's womb 
right? Fully connected to her in deep belonging. And then all of a sudden you're out of her womb crying in this bright, cold, bright, cold world, right? Probably separated from her for a few minutes before, you know, to get cleaned off. And, and so you went from this deep belonging to separated and that's, that's the human condition. So for me going the motherhood process and really making sure my, my child feels a sense of belonging um, has become, you know, truly my, my life's mission. Um, and, and also to really help every single human on the planet. I'm launching Live It Up, which is the first ever text message-based life school. So we identified, you know, 12 issue areas that college students and, and young professionals um, and beyond lifelong learners are struggling with. So I'm very, very excited about that. And then, of course, growing Daybreaker to as many cities across the world. We want to be in 100 cities by 2050. And we're really, really going for it. Well, I think you'll far surpass that. And uh, at the end of every Live Inspired podcast, we ask seven questions of all of our guests. So I'd like to guide you quickly through these questions. But the first one is, Radha, what is the best book you've ever read? Oh, my gosh. Um, Wow. There's so many good ones. But the best book I've ever read while you're I searching, would, we know the word, the, the, the book belong is at the very top of the list. But in addition to that book, what what else is on there? Yeah, you know, I would, I probably would say recently it it's Sapiens actually written by uh, Yuval Harir. You know, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah it's just, I, it just blew my mind open. And um, I recommend that book to probably, I probably recommend the book to a thousand friends. It's just such a beautiful story of humankind and it really ladders down to what I'm saying in my book too. Um, so I just, and I think what he's done to, to tell the story of, um, of our civilization is, is, is actually unparalleled. Mm. And so, um, yeah, Sapiens is one, is one to, is one to grab. And then, you know, there, there's, um, there's, uh, there's a book, um, written by Dallas Clayton. He's a, he's a children's book, um, author and he wrote he writes this this incredible book called an awesome book and it's a children's book and i give it to all my adult friends too uh, it's just this beautiful book a uh, beautiful illustrated children's book about you know how we yeah how we sort of um can live an awesome life and and how we put these limitations on ourselves but if we if we didn't what could what could be so I, I really, I really enjoy, enjoy that book too. I'm a colorful person. <laughs> Clearly. And, and by the, just because the, the audience is not looking at what I'm looking at, your coloring, your drawings, your, uh, just everything you created within your book, not only the words, but the way you displayed it is beautiful. It's really a well done book. Thank you. So, question- you know, it's meant to be, it's meant to be for CEOs to read and yeah. young people to read too. Like John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods wrote the foreword to my book. And, you know, he runs a 90,000 person company and he told me the book changes life, you know, and, and I really, and I, and I, that really meant a lot to me um, when he said that at 65 years old, you know, so, no doubt. Sorry. Congrats on that. What is one positive characteristic, one trait that you possessed as a child that you wish you possessed and exhibited as brightly today? Oh my gosh. Um, I wish uh, that I was less combative, mm. you know? I, I think I was, I, I grew up with sort of, and I and in some ways it's helped me in, in my entrepreneurial life, but I just was always very much kind of, um, it, it was it was hard to listen to another perspective. I always... I always sort of went with my own perspective. So, mm-hmm. um, so if I could go back and do it again, um, is that what the question was? No, that's exactly right. You got it. Yeah. 
yeah, I would, I would, I would probably be less sort of a better listener um, as a kid and, and not, not quite go to the beat of my own drum all the time. Cause I think I disappointed my parents quite a bit. <laughs> uh, we all did. Hey Rada, if your home, your condo, your apartment caught fire and all living things were out and you had an opportunity to run in and grab one item, what's the one item you would grab? I would grab this um, video that my partner made of our um, engagement and um, I would make sure that it's in and all in my book of actually that it, which is also inside my book of uh, my, my bin of mementos. Like when I, you know, I will say to you as a Canadian woman moving to America, the American men are the most romantic men in the world. Yes, we are. And so I have this, I have this bin with like cassette tapes of songs written about <laughs> me by a boyfriend. And I have, I have, you know, puzzles with my face cut out, you know, with a love note behind it from another guy. I have like a scrapbook from my college boyfriend of like a hundred page scrapbook they made of our, of our road trip that we did together. You know, I have like, um, this bin has all these diaries inside of it and, um, um, of, and, and all these love notes from, from all friends and, and loved ones um, throughout my life. And it's something I want to pass on to my kids. So yeah. That's really cool. Uh, if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach and have a long conversation with anyone living or dead, who would you want that conversation to be, to be with? Um, you know, actually, um, I've thought about this one quite a few times, actually. And I think it would be, honestly, with, with this woman, Sacagawea. Do you know who that is? I do, actually. Yeah, she actually helped like Lewis and Clark get to yes. from one side to the other, but no one ever gives her credit in some ways. Like it's the it's these you know explorers who found the way, and I just want to know she did it as a pregnant woman. Mm. She explored. She took them across harrowing sort of parts of the country, and and I, I just would love to sit down with her and, and ask her, you know, sort of what it takes to be such a, a an incredible explorer. How she how she learned to live off the grant, the land in such a meaningful way and, and how to understand exploration the way she, she, um, she did and, and, and how she did it with such strength as a, as carrying a child in her womb mm. and the mother, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm such a, I'm, I'm sort of tiptoeing around with my baby in my, in my belly, you know, yes. and, and the fact that she's just like this, she's in the embodiment of exploration, adventure and strength. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm just in awe of, of this woman and honestly, all, all women, uh, all women who, who give birth. I want to talk to everyone. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to be a long line. High five, you know? <laughs> right. Well, what, what is the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I've probably ever received is to choose your friends wisely. That's mm -hmm. it. My parents have always said this to me. You are as good as the five closest friends you keep. Really, you are as good as five close friends you keep, and you are the sum of all the friends that you keep. And so, um, if you if you hang out with jerks, you'll be a jerk. If you hang out with kind, generous spirits, you'll be a kind, generous person. And if you kind of hang out with inspired, curious, interesting, and interested people, they will be also um, an embodiment of who you are. Mm. So, um, so I'm very, very much um, um, an advocate of that now, um, especially as I went through my journey as well of, of just how important that is. But, but truly that's the best advice I can give to anybody now is pick, pick your friends and really nurture them. 
Rada, you've almost run the gauntlet. We have two questions left. Question number yes, six. Yes. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh my gosh. Um, stop trying to be so cool. <laughs> stop trying to be so relevant. Stop trying to, why are you wearing, why do you need to wear heels and makeup? And, you know, why do you, what is, you know, what is, who is this person that you're becoming? Um, you know, sort of why does, why does what other people think matter to you so much? And why can't you live authentically who you are? Mm. Um, and, and, um, you know, of course I'm grateful for, for that journey. I wouldn't be who I am today without it, but I would really tell my, my 20 year old self, you know, yeah, like really, um, this is your time to discover who you are. You're done with school or you're almost done with school. Really, really take this time to, to get to know yourself before you get out there in the real world. Mm. Um, so yeah. That's perfect. And final question, my friends. It has been said that all great people, and we have one on, on the podcast today, all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. Rada, how would you like your one sentence to read? It would say, you know, it would. this is what it would say. It would say, Rada helped to bring people together to find more connection, to feel a sense of belonging, and to fully self-express and shine their unicorn light on the rest of it. <laughs> Rada Agrawal, you are an authentic, kind, generous, remarkable lady. You're going to be a, a remarkable mother. You are an awesome community leader, friend, partner, and lady. Thank you for helping us bring people together to shine their unicorn light and make a difference in a community that is starved for it. Thank you, John O'Leary, right back at you. It has been a pleasure. My friends, that is Rada. This is John O'Leary. Check out her book, Belong. You won't want to miss it for this time. And until next time, this is John O'Leary, and today's your day. Live inspired. My friends, I want to take a quick moment to give you a special invitation. If you enjoy the Live Inspired podcast, what would you say to joining me live once a month? And not just joining me, but hundreds of other like-minded, live-inspired community members. And what if you could do it from the comfort of your own home? My friends, Live Inspired in Studio with John O'Leary is exactly this, a gathering of our Live Inspired community members once a month for a live inspirational webcast. Let's do life together. Registration for in-studio only happens twice a year. And here's a secret, it's opening soon. Don't miss it. Sign up right now. Be one of the very first to know when Live Inspired in-studio registration opens. You can go right now. Check it out. It's at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash studio. One more time. It's johnolearyinspires.com forward slash studio.